0: If you don't write down the 99 crappy ones, you're never going to get to the good one.
1: Insta hello. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, founder and podcast producer at Max podcasting. Uh, podcasting, and you can email me at max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high-quality podcast. This is episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and today's guest is Ellie Packhouse. Ellie is the co-founder and CEO of InstaFloss, which is exactly what it sounds like. It allows you to floss your teeth. In 10 seconds using really, really cool water jets. And in this episode, we talk the crazy story of coming up with Instafloss, figuring out all the kinks, solving all those pain points, turning it into an actual product, the testing and experimenting part of it, which does get a bit graphic in the middle of the episode, but don't worry, I will chime in and give you a heads up so you can skip ahead if you want to. And a little bit of the history of flossing. Uh the dance and the the act of flossing. It is LEP. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Ellie Pacows, the co founder and CEO of Instafloss super duper cool company uh insta company if i were to create an adjective <laughs> that is uh coming out with a really really cool launch that you know it sounds cliche but i think it could literally you know change the game change the way that you floss ellie thanks so much for joining how are you doing today
0: thank you i'm doing great thank you for having me of course
1: of course before i started prepping for this interview I was going to make a joke about you being an Eli and uh, my wife, Dana's favorite football player of all time being Eli Manning. And uh, I'm glad I checked the pronunciation of your name because uh, I'm sure she likes Ellie Manning, but uh, probably a little bit different. So thanks for confirming that. But we're we're big fans of you nonetheless.
0: We're the same on paper.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're going to dive into the InstaFloss story. But before that, you have a pretty cool background in the music world or, or music entrepreneurship world. So, your company before InstaFloss was singular sound. So, shout out alliteration there, uh, superb. But it kind of started as a way to revolutionize the drum machine. You know, there's some music, new sort of music gear there. Where did this interest in starting uh, or, or inventing stuff in the music space first strike you?
0: Um, so I co-founded Singular Sound with my brother. My brother's a musician, and uh, he was having the issue of not being able to find any drummers uh, to play with. Statistically, drummer, drums are a, a lesser played instrument. No, no parent wants their kid to play the drums, and no neighbors want your kid to play the drums. Uh, so it's very hard to find drummers, and if you find drummers, uh, they have to lug around all their equipment. So even if you have friends who are drums they can't necessarily easily come to your band practice so it, it is a, it is a known problem for uh instrumentalists of all sorts besides drummers. so uh he wanted to get a drum machine and none of them they were super complicated first of all and second of all even if you figured out how to use them you couldn't improvise with them while playing guitar or, or whatever instrument you were playing So, you know, you'd have to go, you'd have to create a beat. You'd have to. It's like you could find a YouTube video and click play and that's it. But then you're stuck with it and you can't make anything up. So he actually had the concept. Initially, I decided to join him. I was like, we need to go. We need to make this not just for you. We need to make this for everyone. Making products for as many people as possible is what eventually led me out of the music tech business uh, and into something that is a little bit more universal, such as flossing. Because, you know, I really want to design products that are going to be used for as many people as possible. So eventually, eventually I did get out of that business. Uh, well, not out of the business. I'm no longer operating day to day. I'm you know, still like on the board, but it's been 10 years. We, we came out with eight products at Singular Sound, all of which were Blockbuster Hits. And we, we started with the hands-free improvisable drum machine called the Beat Buddy, But then we moved on to a lot of other different products, super cool gear. Shout out to Singular Sound, <laughs> even though that's not what this is about. But uh, if you're an, a musician, definitely some stuff that I think uh, is super cool and I'm really proud of.
1: And that struck a chord with the um, drums being a tough incident. So I'm, I'm I'm someone who played drums growing up, and I have some serious nostalgia towards it. And like I I I would love to have a drum set like right now, but an apartment building is just not feasible. I got lucky because my parents were super supportive with it. And like, they, you know, encouraged me as like drum as much as I want. But um, I know, in most cases, uh, I would say the average person can get annoyed pretty quickly. Uh, if like someone nearby you or like your neighbor or somebody is is drumming like crazy, because they're not the quietest instrument in the world. So I see, I see where the inspiration came from. What would you say is the biggest lesson just in terms of entrepreneurship that you learned from your, your singular sound journey?
0: One thing that's super important is there's a lot of things you don't know and you have to supplement yourself with people who know what you don't know. Taking from the singular sound journey, that's when I went into InstaFloss, you know, I had a lot of experience designing products and working with engineers and getting them to be manufactured, et cetera. But, you know, I didn't have experience in dental science. I didn't have experience as a dentist and so on. Uh, and i didn't have uh, experience in fluid mechanics engineering which is what was required for the InstaFloss. so that's why from the beginning i partnered with dr ralph raud for the fluid mechanics engineering and dr animas grenhas uh, from the ada council of science on the scientific testing because these were domains that i really needed to supplement it's not just about partnering with people right i mean the biggest mistake i see people make in general is assuming that you know something and that's the greatest way to have a downfall so for for example when i was hiring marketing people for singular sound you know i was asking them questions and everyone give confident answers the person who i ended up hiring and who performed way better than anyone i've ever hired before or since i asked him a question i was like oh you know what would be the answer here and he said you know i don't know i really don't know but this is how i would design an experiment to try to find out and I was like, "This guy's actually thinking about it," because none of us have answers about anything inherently. You know, we can just have we have questions, and we have ways to try to seek the answers. Uh, there's this great quote I forget who said it, but uh, doubt the people who say they found the truth, but believe people who say they're seeking the truth.
1: I think we're going to credit that to uh, Ellie Pacos because uh, you said it now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's going it's confirmed
0: well, the ability to quote is a serviceable substitute for wit, which is another quote from someone I can't remember.
1: <laughs> well, as a wise man once said no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm actually terrible at memorizing quotes, so i can I can relate to the the not remembering the person, but uh, I can't even spit the actual quote out. So so good for you. so let's insta-floss our way to Instafloss if that you know, couldn't invent a new form of segue there. But let's get to the InstaFloss story. And when I came across your product, you know, my my mind was blown pretty instantly just because flossing is one of those things that has been around forever. There's pain points that everybody can relate to, but it's just 1.8
0: 1.8 million years i just want to throw out sorry to interject but i just want to throw that out that like 1.8 million years is the oldest evidence we have of flossing it could be older but the oldest evidence we have is 1.8 we've, we've discovered uh, teeth with particular grooves on them that uh, experts on the topic uh, assessed would only come from flossing so
1: what sort of material did the experts think that they were using back then
0: uh so there's a uh, uh so you can use uh leaves uh you could use uh, very thin uh twine so if you really peel apart uh twigs you can essentially create a a rope uh or very little rope a string uh <laughs> what is a rope but a bunch of string and uh so essentially string floss not nylon but like a natural hemp rope <laughs> but probably not hemp
1: there you go so i i knew flossing has been around for a while I was probably uh one point. Seven million years off, but <laughs> <I will>. <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, it's been something that's been around for a while, and I would say flossing, besides that you know like viral floss dance that was popular a few years ago um has very little to do with the music industry. So what is it that grabbed your attention to this flossing space or flossing problem uh, and and made you
0: start a business there? I mean, I've been designing a lot of products, and even in the music industry, there were hardware products there were software products there were uh, hybrids of the two you know hardware that interacts with uh software uh, just because everything was in the the music tech industry doesn't mean that they were all the same the same kind of product so I really started viewing myself as a, a product designer and creator and I have a journal where every time I think of a problem and a potential device that can solve it I I write it down and I take notes on how hard I think it would be to create as well as what the how many people would actually want the product. So the demand, you can say, and when I had the idea for Instafloss, or at least the first conceptions. I knew that this was something that not only was possible to create, but that would be orders of magnitude bigger than anything in the music tech industry. Uh, you know, like 10% of people in the United States play an instrument. Uh, 10% of those people actually regularly play their instruments and 10% of those buy into gear for their instrument. We're talking about a fraction of a fraction. Uh, whereas everybody, and, and when I say everybody, I mean it in a scientific term, which is a 95% confidence. Just cut off the tail end of the bell curve. I know some pedants out there are going to be like, well, not everybody. Okay. Other than the tail end of the bell curve, everybody has teeth <laughs> and everybody ought to floss but nobody wants to. Uh, 70% of Americans regularly skip flossing. And the reason they give is because it takes too long. So I knew if you can design something that could floss your teeth for you and do it really, really quick, 10 seconds is how it ended up quick ended up being, everybody would floss. And it's important that we get them to floss. So I knew that there was this huge potential And I was like, I have no choice but to go for it.
1: So you've identified pain points on pain points and an enormous market, um, lots of teeth out there, lots of gums out there. I think I just said teeth, T-E-E-F, but I'm going to keep it in. In terms of R&D and like product development, there's a whole process there with any product. But for you, it's how much disruption there is with your product. Can you take us through some of the highlights of this? What I know is a multi-year R and D process.
0: Five years of R and D, by the way, way longer than I ever thought it was going to take. Had I known it was going to take that long, I don't know how I would have ever begun that journey.
1: You could say 1.8 million in five years, if you want to, you know, add on the history to it.
0: Well, I mean, you know, it'd be pretty difficult to uh, create the device without certain uh, elements that you know came from certain like uh, supernovas. So, I mean, it's a long time coming. You know, it's a long time coming. But in particular, where we go from what was available to uh, everybody as of five years ago and the InstaFloss of today, the first conception was, well, how are you going to floss everybody's teeth? Obviously the first thing I thought of was string, but I started doing research into it and I discovered, and, and I've read every single study that has been published in the last 50 years on this, water is actually well highly pulsating high pressure water uh, is actually more effective at removing plaque, uh, reducing gingivitis, reducing bleeding, reducing periodontal pockets, etc., than strings. And the reason for that is that water molecules are smaller than string molecules. So it could get deeper underneath the gums and not only can it get deeper underneath the gums, but it could actually clean underneath the gums, 360 degrees around each tooth. So string, you can get in between teeth, but you can't really get the underneath the gums at front and back. It's really difficult. So with water flossing, you can uh, clean 360 deeper, better. The issue with current water flossing devices, and they've been on the market since the 60s, is that they take even longer than string to do correctly. So you take the number one complaint about flossing and you make it even worse. And that's the water flossing market. And they still sell $1.2 billion worth of these devices every year, because while they make the number one complaint worse, they make the number two and number three complaint better the number two complaint is that flossing hurts water flossing is adjustable so you can solve the pain issue and flossing is hard to do correctly water flossing is easier to do correctly it's not easy to do correctly because you have to have it at 90 degrees to the gum line to get the best results so you see uh some people they don't necessarily get the results that you get in a laboratory uh, as you do in in real life that's efficacy versus effectiveness If efficacy is what you see under perfect conditions, effectiveness is what you see in real life. So, for example, flossing uh, is super efficacious, but if you do it zero times because you're lazy or because it hurts, it's 0% effective. So something 100% efficacious, done zero times, 0% effective. And that's uh, part of the, the problem that we're solving. So I knew that water was the way to go, but that's the first thing you have to have. What's the medium, right? So, so the first aha moment is like, okay, we have to use water because we can simultaneously solve all three of the top complaints about flossing. It takes too long that it hurts and that is difficult to do correctly. So the first conception I had was a mouth guard. And I realized that there was eventually after trying to prototype this, I realized that there were issues with a mouth guard. Not only would you have to create custom mouth guards for people, which makes it expensive and then you're solving it for fewer people but you'd only be able to get in between the teeth and one of the advantages of water flossing is that cleans a full 360 degrees around each tooth so you'd make it more expensive for a worse floss and that's not really what we're trying to accomplish here we're trying to get the best floss as quickly as possible for the mass market so eventually i realized that what you want is just a cross section of the tooth so the idea was an H-shaped device, uh, a top U and a bottom U around a rotating inlet, and it has six jets per tooth that rotates from one side of your mouth to the other. And this way, we can mass manufacture it with a very small device, and it can clean at the correct 90-degree angle, 360 degrees around every tooth within 10 seconds.
1: I am so glad that you didn't go with the mouth guard route, because <laughs> I have... Just like PTSD from like any anybody who played sports in high school, who got like a, a custom mouth guard crafted, or like anybody that's had, you know, like a mold for retainers or anything like that, like just hearing the term mouth guard, like obviously concussion standpoint, like health standpoint, it's extremely important. But the actual act of molding it is like pretty painful. So very glad you went with a different route. Um, it seems like pretty early on you discovered that, yeah, people aren't gonna like this. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of um, the actual design of it, how would you say like once you kind of figured out that H shape and like the ability to, you know, 360 cover everything with the water, pulsating water, how long did it take to like refine the Instafloss product to what it is today?
0: So yeah, so that sort of tinkering around was probably about a year's worth, you know, because I really thought the mouth guard was going to be the solution, but it ended up being more expensive for a worse loss Mouthguards mouth guards are terrible now, and it gives some people PTSD. So
1: <laughs> just some people,
0: <laughs> some people, this is important. The very first thing that I did once I had the H-shaped conception was talk to my uh, patent attorney and do a patent search, make sure that it was patentable and file immediately. You don't want to do what is essentially free work for big corporations, you know. Like if it's not patentable and you put in all this time and effort, you're you're essentially just the R and D team for like some company. I don't. I guess I probably shouldn't mention names. To just come in later and uh, use the piggyback.
1: Hey, just a quick trigger warning here. This is what I alluded to in the intro. These next four four and a half minutes uh, go into some pretty graphic detail about pigs. So if you're a huge fan of pigs or animals or get easily grossed out, might want to skip ahead uh, about four and a half, maybe even five minutes. But uh, if not, if you're willing to tough it out, uh, just be prepared. All right, back to the show.
0: Uh, So speaking of piggybacking, (laughs) the the next step, once I had the H-shaped conception, was to make sure that this was actually going to work in real life so you know theoretically on paper i'm like well we have 50 years worth of data of if you have jets at this size at this pulsing rate at this pressure at a 90 degree angle it should in theory com- you know completely give you a perfect water floss however there's often a, a big difference between on paper and real life or or as I say uh in theory there's no difference between theory and practice but in practice there's a difference between theory and practice so we had to move (laughs) we had to move from the paper to real life and before we could actually start doing experiments on humans to see if this was working and this is where your partnerships come into play. You know, I was not a dental scientist, but I partnered with one, and so Dr. Anamaskaranh is like, "This is what you do because you have to make sure that the jets are the correct distance apart from each other. They have the right number of jets. That they're the right distance from the tooth, etc. That they're actually covering one hundred percent of the gum line." What we did was we got pig heads from pig carcasses, and I know this is a little gross, but this I,
1: I, as as one naturally does. I mean, I've done that in my business and.
0: No, i'm just going <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i know i you know we we called up the butcher and i'm like uh we need pig heads and honestly the guy's like why and i'm like for well, science and he's like that that, that checks out <laughs> so uh, apparently uh, uh he actually does get calls from uh medical universities quite frequently uh for for the pig head so that's what they use the head for. You know, the rest of it is being sold in supermarkets, but there's lots of heads and they're in demand by universities and research laboratories. And well, I guess we became one of them. What we would do is we would get the pig head and we would actually cut it vertically. So like from the forehead to the chin, so that way we have two halves and that way we could see on both sides of the tooth. And we would floss half of the, the teeth and then we would cut away the gums and look underneath and see how much plaque was being removed you know how deep we were getting underneath the gums lines etc and this way we were able to see if we needed to make the jets closer further if we needed more jets if we were pulsing at the correct so at least in animals right but that that enables you to do quick iterations on your engineering so we could say like oh these jets are not far away enough or these jets are too close together we need to Change the spacing, then we would change the spacing and do more experiments, et cetera. This actually caused some strife in the office because at the time I was still the co-founder of Singular Sound and the Singular Sound office. But you know, I was working on this project of events the floss, and I would use the Singular Sound kitchen. And you know, you get all these musician guys, and they're like, Can you do science in a science sink? Not a science in a food sink. Because when you cut the, the pig head uh, vertically, like the brain falls out. And, uh, it's a very small brain. It's like a golf ball, but it feels like jello. It's really weird. Anyway, my apologies for getting too, uh, (laughs) too wild on this wild business growth podcast.
1: No, no such thing, but yeah, well, I've never, I'll never think of pigs the same way again, but no, I, I think you're probably one of the only people in the world to ever floss a pig. I would imagine, uh, maybe pig farmers, (laughs) but it's fascinating that it's a, it's a viable route and I'm sure you, and I know you learned Lots of insights from it. Yeah, how many times was it till they kicked you out of your own office? No, I'm just kidding. Right.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was it was getting getting pretty heated. And then because Singular Sounds is a like a musician company, you know, we would try to make sure that everyone we hire was musicians. We definitely had some people who were you know kind of the rebellious type. as, as musicians are wont to do, and they were like, "Oh, we got to take these pig heads, and we got to drop them off at the police station. That will make a statement." And okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's, so this is going to be an incredibly hard segue, but uh, so Kickstarter, so uh, <laughs> so, Kickstarter, so I'm sure Kickstarter just you know blackballed this podcast. But now uh, you have um, done an incredible job of you know raising millions in the crowdfunding space, you know even ahead of your launch. And I think it's something uh, many entrepreneurs are interested in, but a lot of you know so many people don't know the right way to go about it or where to even get started. What are some of the things that worked? that have worked really, really well for InstaFloss in terms of getting attention and uh, raising funding in that route.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess the first thing I'll say, though, that if you're an entrepreneur and you really don't have a knack for marketing, the second best thing you can do, which is maybe the first best thing that you actually can do, is to hire an agency and have them do that for you. They certainly will be the second best option that is possible, but maybe the first best option for you. Because the first best option is to actually know what you're doing and to do it well, And because you will get far better results than any agency. It just requires knowledge on your part, hard work on your part, insight on your part, et cetera. And, you know, luckily, I was had been working with marketers at, at Singular Sounds. I knew quite a bit. It was not my first Kickstarter. We actually started Singular Sound with a Kickstarter when we first launched the product. Uh, so when it came to InstaFloss, it was like, OK, we're going to do another Kickstarter and tuck all the lessons from there plus the 10 years of knowledge coming from marketing since then. So, the most important thing I would say for your Kickstarter is you have to have a giant launch on day one because success begets success, failure begets failure. If you're not trending, you're never going to be seen. And if you're not seeing, you're not going to get trending. So, you have to be trending the moment you launch. Okay, great. How do I do that? So, the way you do that is you have to have a as large as possible, or as enthusiastic as possible, hopefully both, because these things, you know, of an email list. So, you know, if you have an email list of a 1000 people, but very few are interested, might be equivalent to a list of 100 people where everyone's interested. So you have to work on these two things, you have to work on getting emails, and you have to make sure they're good emails, you have to make sure that they're engaged. So what we did was we launched ads, where the goal was to get people to sign up, we would send them a personal email, this part was automated, but everything after this was not automated, or as plain text saying like, hi, I'm Ellie Packhouse, thank you for signing up, this is where we are in the R&D, here's some pictures of the prototypes, we're still working on it, so what do you hate about flossing, and how can we make it better? And this would get a lot of responses, and people would be writing about all sorts of ideas, some good, most not, but the the point is engagement. What I would do is I would respond to these people, and eventually I would have a have someone respond to them because it was just too much. Respond to the people. And the only rule is you're not the person to end the conversation. If they email you, you email them back. If they email you, you email them back. And then if they don't email you back, then fine. Uh, but then they're going to see a blog update where we talk about a new stage in the R&D and that can enga- where we have some very leading questions. We're like, hey, we were about to do this, but we're not sure because we'll make it more expensive. Do you think it's worth it? And then people would write in. So this does two things. One, it keeps the audience engaged. They don't forget about you. They become ambassadors for you. They tell their friends. They feel like they're part of it. They're like, I gave a suggestion and they're working on it, or I voted in a poll for what color it's going to be and my color one, you know, sort of thing. So they, they pull other people organically into your system. And the second thing it does is it gets you out of the promotions tab, which is the death of any email marketing strategy. You know, if you email a million people, but it's in their promotions tab, I don't think a single one's going to see it, at least in Gmail. The algorithm pulls you out of the promotions if you're having real conversations so that's what that's what we did, and that way we were able to get a lot of engaged emails from an active audience We were able to have a blast on day one, and we didn't even advertise after that, because there was like a problem with kickstarters API that didn't let us track anything so we didn't even advertise once we started, but uh, we did. I think it was 850k on Kickstarter and then soon thereafter we pre-sold 2.5 million dollars worth of InstaFloss. floss.
1: Wow. Well, congrats on that. That's a lot of flossing. Uh, a lot of a quick instant flossing. <laughs> but I really like your rule on never being the one to end the conversation because that's like engagement 101. Like that's just a fantastic way to to keep things going and keep the chatter going and uh, in terms of the actual ads what type of ads did you do or like what approach was it with the ads that you think truly got people's uh you know thumbs to stop
0: and eyes to stop and all those you know terms there it's great you asked that because we actually have the data to say precisely what it was that got people to stop you know we would examine Perfect. the videos and see
1: you you told me to ask that before no you didn't i'm just gonna
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it, it, but it is a sensible question you're a sensible guy i guess i,
1: mean, I appreciate it sometimes
0: <laughs> so um we had tried some ads where we were like talking about it. We showed people, we showed people using the product, right? But these ads didn't really get a great response because I think what it was is you just see like a stick in someone's mouth and you don't know what's going on. And it's like, it flosses your teeth automatically in 10 seconds. But, and this is just like a empathetic uh, speculation on my part, obviously I did not tear apart their brains the way we did with the bigs. My guess is that when people saw that, they were like, well, I don't really know what it is or how it works, etc." So what we did was we got a 3D animators. We got 3D animators and created an animation of inside the mouth and the InstaFloss inside the mouth and the jets coming out and dislodging plaque and yada, yada, which you can see on InstaFloss.com if you're so interested. But the animations, once we had that, our ads went from crickets, to like email signups on fire the and and my speculation here obviously i did not like mind you again but the speculation is that once you got it it's so obviously useful but if you don't get it like if i tell someone without showing them how it works that oh i have a device that's going to floss all your teeth in 10 seconds their reaction is going to be bullshit like there's no way that that's possible. We can't get that done. Like you're pulling one over on me like I'm going to just skip over this. This is going to be like one of those those commercials where you like see someone rub a cream on their face and they're like 50 years younger. Like you know it just sounds ridiculous.
1: I was thinking no, when you were describing that like floss in 10 seconds, it sounds like certain websites that just accept like, you know, any advertiser or whatever. Like I don't even know how the ads get there, but those like spammy medical ads that look like lose 50 pounds in a day, you know, stuff like that. Like it sounds like that, but when, when you put the visual there totally legitimizes it, um, if mm-hmm. it's a compelling visual, obviously. So totally zero that's coming from.
0: Right. I would say it's more than just a visual, right? Because like you have those lose 50 pounds in like three minutes ads and you see like a person's belly go down and it's like, well, I was okay. going to say,
1: Oh yeah. Or it's like a, it's a belly button in a, Tape measure,
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, I think the key was when you show people how it works, they're like, oh, that is physically possible, and it would work, and then they believe you. So it's like we we have this weird problem where like it's almost too good to be believed. So we have to prove it, which you know I'm not I'm not complaining about that. You know I think once the word gets out and once people understand it, I I think that it's um, you know super powerful. But for our initial ads when people had never heard of this before, showing them how it worked made all the difference. So I'm not going to say like universally, I don't know what your product is. I'm not going to say that this in particular is going to work for you that, oh, you have to show them how it works. It probably is a good idea. But maybe if we want to generalize this advice a bit more, find out why won't someone believe your ad? Why won't someone click? Like what, what is the reason that they're not buying it? For us, it was that they probably just didn't believe that it would work. For you, it might be something different. I I don't know what it is, but find out what that is and then make that the focus of your ad. Like the number one reason you're going to say no, because a lot of times we focus on like what's going to make them say yes, but one no is more powerful than a million yeses. So you have to find out what's going to make them say no, I'm not going to get your product. And you have to address that before everything else.
1: I hope you say no to not signing up for the Podcasting to the Max newsletter. That was incredible. You can sign up at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. You get a new email every Thursday that has entrepreneurship tips, podcasting tips, and terrible, no good, very bad puns. You can sign up at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. It will be your favorite email of the week. I guarantee it. And if not, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it, or or something like that. Now, let's get back to the yeses and noes. So I'm hoping you say yes, because it's, uh, I guess, one millionth is powerful. No, but would you be interested in wrapping up with some rapid fire Q&A? Let's go. All right, let's get wild. Yes. What is a, I call them weird talents, but like a party trick or something around the house, something you're really good at that doesn't impact your business. You're just like really good at it.
0: Uh, Backcountry, wilderness, survival. Uh, As a person who spends all of my time on a computer, making technology, getting rid of all of it, navigating by the stars, filtering water, etc., is my jam. And actually, I have some of my best inventions in my head <laughs> while I'm out there.
1: Well, that actually segues perfectly to the next question. So in terms of making note of those inventions, so you mentioned that you have a journal that you write down like product design ideas, problem ideas. What is um, a tip or I hate the word hack because everybody uses it, but what's a hack Uh, in terms of a journal like that, in terms of making sure that you truly are diligent about writing down these ideas and jotting down the key points that would actually bring these to life?
0: Well, the best way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas. So uh, write down the crappy ones, you know, because it just keeps them coming. Only one out of a hundred of your ideas are going to be great or good in any way, but If you don't write down the 99 crappy ones, you're never going to get to the good one. And also, one thing I would say is that a lot of times I've seen people be like, oh, I have this idea. It's going to be this product. It's going to be amazing, yada, yada, yada. And then they go on Amazon and it's being sold already. And they get like really crestfallen because this was like their thing. I'm like, no, dude, you should be elated because you had a good idea. It was so good that someone's making money off it already. Now, obviously, it's not for you right now, but it shows you that your brain is on the right track.
1: What is your take on, uh, The floss, the dance, the floss.
0: Whatever makes you happy, you know. Like honestly, I I, I'm glad that people are having fun, and I would not want to take that away from anyone. If if you don't want to see someone laugh, uh, don't criticize their laugh. So if they're having joy, go for it.
1: Perfect. That was um. I've heard rumors that it's coming back, but that you know, years ago, that was like you couldn't take a step outside with somebody flossing. So.
0: It's my number one dance move for obvious reasons. Like I I, I have to be about it.
1: (laughs) Perfect. You need to do the floss dance on Insta and then it's an Insta floss. Bam. All right. What is an insight about flossing other than it being 1.8 million years old that is very surprising? You think most people wouldn't know about flossing.
0: I would say that probably the thing people don't realize is that the mouth is the gateway to the rest of your body and inflammation in your mouth can travel along the cardiovascular pathways to every other thing in your body pretty much so any system that is worsened by inflammation or issues with cardiovascular health will be worsened by not flossing so there's lots of data uh, lots of correlative data where poor oral health is correlated with poor cardiovascular health, which is correlated with even arthritis and Alzheimer's, and perhaps this one is the most surprising erectile dysfunction.
1: Holy moly. I <laughs> I my my final question is about mangoes, but I should have made it about bananas just to segue that. But uh, or eggplants. But um last one, I know that the history, the early days of instafloss were pretty heavily influenced by an encounter you had with the mango. Can you share that story?
0: that's so traumatic Uh, (laughs) so yeah i was eating mangoes with my brother we had to get ready for a meeting and we're like okay we gotta floss all this stuff out and trying to get rid of all of that floss was we're like there has to be something there has to be a way to do this automatically and i would say most inventions are born from that you know you have a problem if only there was a device that can solve it so if if you want if you want to create inventions, first find problems, then think of devices that can solve them.
1: That's perfect, and I'm glad. I know I know the mangoes can be traumatic, but I'm glad you were able to relive that with us. But Ellie, this has been fantastic. Uh, we I, I knew we were going to cover. Flossing and insta flossing and music. Uh, I did not know we were going to cover pig heads and erectile dysfunction and uh, <laughs> all sorts of mango, oh. banana, eggplant world things. So I don't, I don't even know if that's like a spin off of Disney World now, I guess. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know that if you're interested in insta floss, you can learn more at instafloss.com. Final thoughts, stages yours. It could be a quote, a line, uh, just kind of like words to live by, music lyrics if you want, whatever you want. Send us home here.
0: This, uh, this actually comes from Calvin and Hobbes, the, the only philosophical book you will need probably growing up or throughout the rest of your life, which is that this is life's blessing and this is life's curse. It's never so bad that it can't get worse.
1: Ellie, you are the worst. Just kidding, just kidding. Ellie, thank you so much for coming on the Wild Business Growth Podcast, sharing your incredible InstaFloss story and beyond And thank you, Wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to follow the Wild Business Growth Podcast on your favorite app and tell a friend about the podcast and try out InstaFloss with them. You will get InstaFlossed. You can also find us on Good Pods, where there are good, good podcasts podcasts and recommendations, recommendations. And for any help with podcast production, you can learn more at maxpodcasting.com and sign up for the Podcasting to the Max newsletter at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos!